Wisdom, the final frontier to true knowledge. Welcome to Wisdom Trek, where our mission is to create a legacy of wisdom, to seek out discernment and insights, to boldly grow where few have chosen to grow before. Hello, my friend. I am Guthrie Chamberlain, your captain on our journey to increase wisdom and create a living legacy. Thank you for joining us today as we explore wisdom on our second millennium of podcast. This is day 1111 of our trek, and it is time for Worldview Wednesday. Creating a biblical worldview is important in order to have a proper perspective on today's current events. To establish a biblical worldview, it is required that we have a proper understanding of God and His Word. Last week, we began a new series in which we are covering another detailed review of a book written from one of today's most prominent Hebrew scholars, Dr. Michael S. Heiser. We are taking a deep dive and will share Dr. Heiser's insights into the question, which is also the title of his book, What Does God Want? And today's lesson will be, God Wanted a Family. Last week, we began to explore the question, What Does God Want? We discovered that overall, the answer is simple. He wants you. Before I became a believer, God was seeking me. I just didn't know it. He was also seeking you. I know that God sought me because it is His nature to seek us. He is committed to us. How do we know these things about God? And this is a question that we'll look at more than once during our lessons. Let's start out with ourselves as an analogy. It is normal, a part of nature, to care for things that we make especially if they required serious effort and were the result of a concerted thought. We're naturally going to be angry or resentful if when someone mocks, belittles, or destroys, or claims as theirs something that we made, achieved, or first thought of. Not feeling those things would be abnormal. We know in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The God of the Bible shares this profile, Or should I say, we share His profile. God does what He does to enjoy what He has done. God didn't create humanity because He lacked something. He wasn't lonely, as though He was incomplete or needed any company. God needs nothing because, well, He's God. He created things and enjoys the work of His hands, so to speak. And the things that He cares about most are those He made to be like Him in His image, as the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. He's referring to you and to me. Our story, the story of why God wants us, begins with a biblical idea that God is our maker. Although we can't completely comprehend that, the bottom line is that we're here because God wanted us to be here. God doesn't act randomly. He acts with purpose. He created humankind. When He created humankind, He wasn't trying to fill some deficiency in Himself. Given the fact that God doesn't need us, but still made us, there is only one rational explanation for why He created us. God wanted us to exist in order to enjoy us, and to have us enjoy Him in return. Because God created us, the Bible refers to Him as a Father, and people from Adam onward as His children. That's why the Bible uses the language of family to describe God in His relationship to us, and that is no coincidence but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. To really understand the context of a family-centered language in the Bible, we need to go back to the time before God made the earth and the human race. It may surprise you, but God wasn't alone then either. That's another reason why we can be sure that God didn't create us because He was lonely. 
The Bible tells us that before God created us, he had already created other intelligent beings. The Bible calls them sons of God. We call them angels. The Old Testament book of Job tells us that the sons of God shouted for joy when God laid the foundations of the earth. And this is found in Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 7. They were already present with him watching. Think about the phrase sons of God. The same Hebrew term translated sons can also be translated more inclusively as children. What does a phrase like children of God imply? Well, it implies family. Children is a term you use when a family is the subject of a conversation. In the case of Job chapter 38 verses 4 through 7, the family is a heavenly or supernatural one. God is father to the intelligent beings he created in the unseen realm at least unseen to humans, except for rare occasions. The fact that God already had a supernatural family helps us to understand the motivation for the creation of Adam and Eve, the first humans in the Genesis story. God wanted a human family in addition to his supernatural family. Incredibly, the story of Eden tells us that God wanted his two families to live together in his presence. This means that, just like the angels, humans were originally created fit for the presence of God himself. But how do we know all this? Well, let's take a look. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, begins with creation. God had done a lot of creating by the time the story gets to the people of Adam and Eve. The story unfolds with God creating plants, insects, flying creatures, and land animals. None of those creatures were capable of having a relationship with God. They could not converse with God. They could not share their thoughts with God or express their appreciation for Him. Members of a family relate to one another. They interact on an intellectual and emotional level. They form companionship bonds. As spectacular as plants and animals are, they couldn't play the role of children. They weren't family. That's what God really wanted. He needed to create something like Himself. After God filled the earth with all kinds of plants and animals, he still had work to do. God decided to fashion new creatures in his image and in his likeness, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. The image of God is an important concept in the Bible. Human beings were created to be like God. Think of image of God as a verb and you're on the right track to understanding this idea. We were created to image God, to be imagers, to represent him. What does it mean to image God? Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 and 28 gives us the answer. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the seas, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. God could have taken care of the world just fine. He's God. Nothing is beyond his ability. But instead, God created an earthly family. His children would assume the role of managing and maintaining his creation. They would be his understudies and partners. Imaging God means being God's representation on earth. God tasked the humans with doing a job he could just as well done himself. But he wanted his children to participate. God's business would be a family business. Eden was not merely God's home. It was God's home office. We were created to be God's co-workers. God made sure the people he made could do the job of imaging him on earth. 
He shared his attributes, his qualities, and abilities with them. Things like intelligence and creativity. The Bible tells us that humans are a lesser version of who God is. He made us to be like Him so we could participate with Him as co-rulers and co-caretakers in His new world. Imaging God is an important concept for several reasons. It gives each of us a secure, profound identity. It was God's original desire that every human being would be His child and His partner. That is how God looks at His people. It is also how we ought to think about people. God wants every one of us to consider each person as a sibling. We all have the same status as imagers of God, whom God wants in His family. Racism, violence, manipulation, and coercion were not part of God's design for humanity. They are the evil result of rebellion and sin. God hates what sin has done to the people that He loves. That's something we need to remember when we think about our own moral failures and those of others. Imaging God also gives us purpose. We have a mission. Every person, no matter how small or weak or short-lived, has some role to play in someone else's life. Every task that we set our mind to that honors God and our fellow imagers becomes a spiritual calling. In God's mind, the role of pastor, minister, or priest is not a superior calling to any other calling. How we live either blesses fellow imagers, reminding them of what life in harmony with God must surely be like, or it curses them. What we do matters, and most of the time it will be in small, unspectacular ways. All of this is why Dr. Heiser answered his opening question the way he did. What does God want? He wants you. He wants a family. He wants co-workers. He wants you to know who you are and why your life has value to Him. But we're just getting started. There's a lot more to this story. Life in our world, and perhaps even in our own house, doesn't always conform to God's vision. Something happened to ruin it all. The heartache would be so great that God almost decided to give up on humanity. And we'll begin that exploration next week. And that will conclude our lesson for this week from Dr. Heiser's book, What Does God Want? Next Worldview Wednesday, we will discover that God still wanted His family even after our rebellion. I believe that you'll find each Worldview Wednesday an interesting topic to consider as we build our biblical worldview. Tomorrow, we will continue with our three-minute humor nugget that will provide you with a bit of cheer, which will help you to lighten up and live a rich and satisfying life. So encourage your friends and family to join us and to come along with us tomorrow for another day of Wisdom Trek, Creating a Legacy. If you'd like to listen to in the past 1,110 treks or read the Wisdom Journals, they are all available at wisdom-trek.com. And I encourage you to subscribe to Wisdom Trek on your favorite podcast player so that East Day's Trek will be downloaded to you automatically. And thank you so much for allowing me to be your guide, your mentor. But most importantly, I am your friend as I serve you through the Wisdom Trek podcast and journal. And as we take this trek of life together, let us always live abundantly, love unconditionally, listen intentionally, learn continuously, lend to others generously, lead with integrity, and then leave a living legacy each day. I am Guthrie Chamberlain reminding you to keep moving forward. Enjoy your journey and then create a great day every day.
See you tomorrow.